bless your name. We're thankful for your presence in this place this morning. We do not take it for granted. We are honored by your presence, almighty God. Continue to bless and anoint this service, I pray, in your precious, holy, and righteous name. Amen and amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team. What a wonderful job. I do believe in those blessings that you can pray upon your kids and your grandkids. My dad believed in it. And I remember, this is a side thing here anyways, but I'm thinking that song made me think of this. In November, um, it would have been like 2003, my dad at that time was 97 years old, and we got together, our whole family did, for Thanksgiving. And somebody videoed this, because we still have it today, we watch it from time to time. And my dad, we had him pray over the meal. Of course, when dad would pray over a meal, he'd pray over everything else too. And so he did, and what he did is he stood up there in the middle of the living room with all of his kids standing around, and he prayed that God would bless his kids and his grandkids, and that he longed for some day to see us all in heaven. Almost 30 days to the day he passed away in December just before Christmas. But that prayer had power in it. Because he prayed that blessing upon his kids and his grandkids. And I can tell you right now, my family live under that blessing. I believe the Hitchcock lives under a blessing. Some of you other families, you live under a blessing. And some of you, you think, my goodness, I don't live under a blessing. I almost live under a curse. But you can break that. It may be up to you to break that. If that's what's happening to your family. Be the one that starts the blessing from generation to generation. Amen? Amen. Most of you know who I am, Pastor Mark here. I'm an associate pastor here at Brighton Assembly God Church. I've been on staff here for about 11 years or something like that. Love it very much. Love Pastor and, and his wife and family. Love this church. Love you guys. Um, and it's an honor always. Anytime I can preach, it's on Wednesday nights. I preach a lot. And then uh, on a Sunday morning, not very often when I do, I, I count as a privilege and an honor. And just thank you very much for being here. You know, I've been thinking about this year of 2020, as everybody has, because of some of the, the other ones that we're speaking, the, how, the things that we've gone through in this last year. Unforgettable things. Ten years, 20 years from now, we'll, we'll reflect back on 2020. I hope that's the only year we reflect back because of all the calamities and things that happened. I hope it's the only year. I hope we don't look back, oh, man, 2020 and 2021 and 2022. and 20. I hope that's not the case. I hope it stops here. And I look for 2021 20, uh, to be a good year for each and every one of us, and I hope it's a good year for you and for your family. But as I was thinking about this, I thought, and, 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 and so you'll be blessed next Sunday morning to hear uh, Pastor Jonathan preach in the first and second service. And I thought it was kind of unique. I am getting to preach at the very end of 2020, and he is going to get to preach at the very beginning of 2021. That's quite a load on our shoulders, you know that? To end the year and then to kick off the year. And part of our sermons may overlap a little bit because we talk about some of the same things, and that's just fine. 
By the way, Don and Sharon Davis, good to see you guys sitting back there. They haven't been able to be here for quite some time, and it's just a, I, they walked in this morning just blessed me richly. And they didn't know I was preaching or they wouldn't have come. And, but it's nice. It's just nice that they showed up and they got in the door and it was too late and they had to sit down and it wouldn't look good. They turned around and walked off, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm sure uh, I'm glad they're here. So I was reflecting on this and, and, and the year coming and the year that's been. And I was thinking about people in the Bible that have had situations in their lives and they needed an intervention. They needed God to come and change their life. And God did in a lot of areas, in a lot of stories in the Bible you read, where God stepped on the scene and changed things. You think of Paul, different ones like that. Did I just lose this? Am I still good here? Felt like I lost a little bit there. Okay. And another man in the Bible is found in 2 Kings. And I want to do this story this morning. And I think it's, a, it's an apropos story uh, uh, to an extent for us to glean some things from a man called Naaman. Now, it's a very familiar story in the Bible. We all know that. We know about this man, Naaman. But the Bible describes him in 2 Kings chapter 5 as a valiant man, as a warrior. He was what I would call a man's man. This guy was tough. And everywhere he went, he got great success because he knew what he was doing and he had skills. And the Bible describes him as just being a, a man of awesomeness. And it says all these things there in the first part of, of chapter 5 and 2 Kings, but then it says something that changes everything. It says, but he had leprosy. You know, when this COVID thing first came out, Everybody thought it was a death sentence, if you get it. There's still some people that think that. It's not true, not necessarily true. But everybody thought, oh, you got COVID? Oh, no, oh, oh you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna die from it. Everybody thought it was a death sentence. turned out not to be the case, in most cases. But back then, if you had leprosy, it was a death sentence. You weren't going to recover. You had an expiration date on your life. And I can imagine when old Naaman went to the doctor, and the doctor did his prodding and poking like they do, and looking at his skin, and it was turning a little bit white. Didn't feel good. Naaman, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you've got leprosy. I think his world fell apart right then. It's that moment that people in your family has heard and friends, you've got terminal cancer. And then if you meet those people later and talk to them and how they felt and what they went through and those emotions that they went through, Naaman probably went through the same thing. A death sentence was pronounced on this wonderful, valiant warrior soldier. So I believe he became desperate I'll tell you why I think that. In some of his exploits, he had went into Israel, some of the raiding bands from his men or others in Syria, which is called Aram back then, but it's real Syria. They went into Israel, and they captured this young girl and brought her back, one of many, no doubt. And she lived in Aram's household as a servant to his wife. Now, here's this young girl, probably 13, 14 years old, like some of you sitting in here. And she's a servant to this wife of this 
well-known man. But it seems there was a relationship there that was pretty positive. And she told Naaman's wife, hey, if, 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 if my master would just go to Samaria, there is a prophet there that could heal him. And I thought this was ironic when, when, when no doubt when this wife told Naaman, hey, you know what she said? She said, there's a prophet in Samaria that if you go see him, he'd heal you. This is why I know Naaman was desperate. Now, who he is, his stature in the country, his stature with the king. If he lived in today's world, he'd be a four-star general to the presidents, who he was. A lot of power and prestige. But here's a servant girl. I know a man. If you go see him, he can heal you of your leprosy. And Naaman believes her. It's cool. He goes to the king. King of Aram says, listen, I've got this girl who's in our house. She's our servant. She said, if I can go to Samaria in Israel, there's a prophet that can heal me. And the king's like, hey, what have we got to lose? I know people that have been in that situation a lot. What have I got to lose? You know something? Ask God to be a huge part of your life. What have you got to lose? <laughs> Just ask him to help you to be a part of your everyday life. What have you got to lose? It'll only get better for you. And the servant girl had said, if only, in verse 3, if only Naaman would go and visit this prophet, he would be healed, if only. As we look back on this last year of 2020, there's a lot of people in this country, in our country, our nation, that have always pointed a finger at President Trump and said, if only he would have done this. If only he would have done that. If only he would have said this or at the right time done this or didn't do that. Or what. If only, if only, if only, if only, if only, if only. Well, looking back on some things, it's easy to say, isn't it? Well, if only, if only. In your own life, even for this last year and maybe even beyond, if only I would have done this. Whatever it might be, maybe a big decision, maybe a small, if only, if only those two words have a lot of power to them. If only. How about if only I would have cried out to God when I need him most. He would have came on the scene and changed things. If only. That's a big if only right there. If only coming into this new season of our lives, I hope a positive season with 2021. If only you'll cry out to God, he'll help you get through it. And you'll be fine. Come what may. He believes her, goes to the king. The king says, oh, let's do it. What do you got to lose? So he formulates this letter. Take this letter to the king of Israel. He takes the letter to the king of Israel. The king of Israel opens up this letter. And Naaman probably had no idea what it said. It's probably sealed. And the king looks at it from Israel. I am sending you my man, valiant man, Naaman for you to heal him of his leprosy. That's what I said. The king freaked out. Can I bring life and death? I cannot do this. What is up with this guy? He's trying to pick a fight with me. He wants to go to war. He's so stupid. And he tears his clothes and goes crazy, loses his mind. And Elisha, this prophet that we're talking about this morning, this Elisha, 
he hears of this. He hears the king, that the king tore his clothes. Why did he tear his clothes? Well, because he doesn't have any names. They have leprosy. And he sent him and said he's going to heal. Go to the king and tell the king to send that man to me, and he will know there is a prophet in Israel. And that's exactly what happens. I can see this down. This is a great, this is a great scene right here. Naaman comes into Israel, which is more or less enemy territory, a little bit of tension. And he goes into Israel with an entourage, chariots, horses, soldiers. And he, and he, and, and he gets word, the, the okay from the king to go to this prophet. And so he goes and he goes up to Elisha's house. In his mind, he's thinking, see, I'm going I'm to go up to Elisha's house. He's going to come out. He's going to wave things over me. He's going he's to do all these incantations. He's going to do all this stuff, and, and I'm going to be healed. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be quite the fanfare, but I'm going to leave here healed. It's going to be great. So when he goes up to Elisha's house and pulls up there, he's waiting for Elisha to come out. But Elisha decides not to even go outside. You see, Naaman had leprosy. This is their first case of social distancing right here. <laughs> Elisha's not going out there. There's COVID out in the yard. So, so Elisha sends his servant. You go out there, man. I'm not going out there. You go out there. He sends his servant out there. Now remember, Eli, uh, 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 Naaman is, is, a, is a man of stature, of power. And he's waiting for this prophet to come out there and do all these things. And here comes out this servant. Servant comes walking up there, and Naaman's like, may I help you? <laughs> yes, uh, uh, Naaman, sir, uh, the prophet in there said for you to go dip into the Jordan River seven times, and you'll be healed. Excuse me? Yes, sir, dip into Jordan seven times, and you will be healed. Yes, sir. See you later. This enrages, enrages Naaman. You see, he was thinking that he had one perception of how God might work in this situation, but God chose a different way. Oh, my goodness. He is so good at that. You expect him to do something a certain way, and he has another way to do it. Why? Because you don't know everything. Did you realize that? Some of you didn't realize that. You do not know everything. And that's the way it was. And so Naaman thought, it's all this fanfare is going to come. And it didn't happen. I don't want to dip in it. Why can't I go back to Damascus? There's rivers there that are beautiful, spring-fed, wonderful, clear water. Why do I have to go dip in the muddy Jordan? And he went off in a rage, the Bible says. And, they, and, and Naaman had a servant, this little servant guy walks up to Naaman. This is a great deal, too. This little servant of Naaman, excuse me, master, what do you want? Uh, think about this. If he would have come out and done some great thing or asked you to do some great thing, why, you would have done it, would you not have? Yes. Well, then, this is a small thing. Just go dip in the water. It's so easy and be healed, don't you think? Hmm. All right, I'll do it. And he goes to the Jordan River. This is a great scene, too. He's waiting. It takes off everything pretty much off of most of his clothes. Most of his clothes. And he goes out in the water. He wades out there probably about this deep. And he's standing out there. He turns around and looks at that servant. The servant looks at his buddy. Mm-hmm. 
But he says, you better hope this works. Oh, no. Good luck. All right, here we go. And Naaman dips down that water. Up, down, five times, six times. Checks himself. Nothing. Still white skin. I believe it, to, I believe it was to the seventh time. I don't believe the first time he dipped, half the, half the skin was clean. He'd be like, whoa, I'm done here. Look what's going on. No, I don't think anything happened because his faith needed to be tested to the seventh degree. And so six times he went, nothing changed. One more. And when he went down and when he came up, the Bible says his skin was like that of a young boy. And I believe Naaman right there in that water had his own little revival and shouting, shouting match and dancing around that beach and that water just going crazy. You see, I thought about this. Naaman had an Elisha to run to. Some of us go through things in our life, we stop, wait a minute, what, what? I have Elisha. I know where there's an Elisha. I can run to an Elisha. Wait a minute. You have an Elisha to run to. The Bible says his name, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. That's who he is. And his name is Jesus. That is your Elisha. But with this name comes healing, comes power, comes comfort, comes peace. There's no other name like this name. No other name like the name of Jesus. So this coming year... You can search through these scriptures. And in every book of the Bible, you will find Jesus mentioned in some form or another. Amen. From the beginning to the end. Like in the book of Genesis, he is the creator for all things are made by him. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. Leviticus, he is our high priest. Numbers, he is a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he is the commander of the Lord's army. In Judges, he is our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is the seed of David. In Kings and Chronicles, he is our reigning king. In Ezra, he is our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of everything that is broken. In Esther, he is our Mordecai, our advocate. In Job, he is our ever-living redeemer. Psalms, he is our shepherd. Proverbs, he is our wisdom. Ecclesiastics, he is our meaning for life. In a song of Solomon, he is the loving bridegroom. Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, in limitations, he is our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the glorious Lord. In Daniel, he is the fourth man in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he is the faithful husband. In Joel, he is the outpour of the Holy Spirit. 
In Amos, he's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is our judge and savior. In Jonah, he is the risen prophet. In Micah, he is the ruler of the world from Bethlehem. In Nahum, he is our stronghold. In Habakkuk, he is the watchman. In Zephaniah, he is mighty to save. In Haggai, he is the restorer. In Zechariah, he is the branch of David, the one pierced for us. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness. In Matthew, he is the king of the Jews, the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. In Mark, he is the servant, the miracle worker. In Luke, he is the baby in the manger, the son of man. In John, he is the son of God, the living word, the way, the truth, and the life. In Acts, he is the Savior of the world, our ascended Lord. In Romans, he is the justifier. In 1 Corinthians, he is the resurrection. In 2 Corinthians, he is our comfort. In Galatians, he is our liberty. In Ephesians, he is the head of the church. In Philippians, he is our joy. In Colossians, he is our completeness and the glue that holds our world together. In 1 and 2 Thessalonians, he's the coming king. In 1 and 2 Timothy, he is our mediator. In Philemon, he's our benefactor. In Titus, he is the blessed hope. In Hebrews, he is our perfection. In James, he is the power behind our faith. In First and Second Peter, he is our chief shepherd and chief cornerstone. In First, Second, and Third John, he's our truth and everlasting life. In Jude, he's the foundation of our faith and our security. In Revelations, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Lord. Yes, you are, Lord. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Hallelujah. He is the first and the last. I'm going to describe God here for you in the next few paragraphs of this. And I want you to grab a hold of every little bit of it because this will get you through 2021. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe, the manager of all times. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. Unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, but never undone. He was bruised and brought healing. He was pierced and eased pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead and brought life. He is risen and he brings power. He reigns and he brings peace. The world cannot understand him. Armies can't defeat him. Schools can't explain him. And the leaders can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Herod couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. Other religions can't replace him. And the world cannot explain him away. He is light, love, longevity, and he is Lord. He is goodness, kindness, gentleness, and he is God. He is holy. He is righteous. He is mighty. He is powerful. And he is pure. His ways are right. His word is eternal. 
His will is unchanging, and his mind is on us. He's my redeemer. He's my savior. He is my guide. He is my peace. He is my joy. He is my comfort. He is my Lord, and he rules my life. There you go. That's who he is, and that's who he should be in each and every one of our lives. There's no one like him. You looking for an Elisha? I've got him for you. I just described who he was. There's no other God like him, nor will there ever be. And all he asks from us is just to call on his name. It's as simple as that. But sometimes we make it so hard just to say the name of Jesus. Every attribute, every description I just gave you right there, that's him. And yes, you can ignore him if you want to. But someday, one day, (laughs) you will bow a knee to him. And you'll confess, yes, you are Lord. And I don't want that day to happen to you. I want you to confess him as Lord today. I want you to be a part of this great kingdom I want you to understand. That's why I did that this morning. I wanted you to understand who he is. I could have read all that off. I have it up here on this pulpit. I could have read every bit of it. But I didn't want to do that because I want, I want it to be real to us this morning. Yeah. Stand to your feet if you would. You may get out here a little early this morning, but that's okay. Lord, in this very moment of time, these few minutes that we have left here together and standing in this sanctuary in one accord, may we latch on to the fact that we need you more today than we needed you yesterday. May we latch on to the fact that we need you more in 2021 than we did in 2020. Looking ahead, God, we need you. We need you more. So I pray, God, you pour this desire into each and every heart that's in this sanctuary this morning. Desire to call upon your name. A desire to worship you when things are going great. And to worship you when things aren't going so great. Restore a heart of worship in each one of us, oh God, I pray. that we each would find that place where we can bask in your presence as we are right now. Right now. Basking in the presence of this literally indescribable God. You're a God of love. This we know. The God of mercy and God of grace.
Thank you, God, for gracing us in this sanctuary with your glorious presence.